Hey everyone, welcome to the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast. This is episode number 128. I'm Ross. I'm Gordon. And Gordon, how are we going to enthrall the listeners today? Oh, we are going to bore them to death. Oh, that's <laughs> awesome. That's awesome. So have your pillow ready, because we're going to be talking about software. Mm-hmm. Damn software, to be precise. Damn software. <laughs> <laughs> okay, before somebody flags us, what do you mean by damn? Uh, digital asset management. In other words, cataloging your images, retrieving your images, trying to figure out where you put your images. And what happened to the images that you knew everything about but you can't find now? Mm. So you're talking about digital photography in yes. general. Yes. Damn digital photography. Damn digital photography. This really does have to be, you know, in, in all the years I've been a photographer, this has to be the one thing that drives people right around the twist or into alcoholism <laughs> or recreational drug use. Because you never stop seeing questions about it. Or, I did this and I followed all the rules and everything is gone. Uh, yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, that's extraordinarily frustrating. So why, why, I ask, do people consider... <laughs> I mean, don't use this all fuck. This damn software, all at all. Well, uh, you need some form of cataloging your images. Um, it doesn't have to be software. Okay. Um, those of us of a certain genre recognize that uh, we used to have little recipe boxes full of cards with labels on them. And I guess that's one way of doing it. But if you think the software is bad, this is probably worse. Yeah, um, I agree. Because, you know, when I was a teenager and my parents wanted me to get a job, I got to work in a library for a month before they decided I was probably not suited to that. <laughs> the library decided. And just... Keeping track of those index cards was a horror show because you could move them, and people did. Yeah, and if they don't go back to where you took them out from, well, your system's just gone useless. Yeah, and and I agree, and that's really, I think that's that's the big frustration too, for people with digital software is that they feel that it's doing things on its own. In the background, when they're away, that is moving files. Now, I don't know of software that does it, but I see that complaint a fair bit. So, how does somebody choose digital asset management software in the first place? Um, I'm, I'm not sure. Because um, with digital photography comes an incredible number of images which makes the 
physical cataloging of these uh, virtually impossible. Uh, so you have to rely, I think, on a computer to do something. But in addition, though, um, people don't separate their photo editing software from their cataloging software, and they try to figure out why or how they can do the cataloging along with the other software. And because some people um, are looking for alternatives to the commonly used one, namely uh, Adobe, uh, they, they try to find other ways to do this. And I, and I really don't know what ways they would... If it's not Adobe, then what is the question? Well, and I think this is one of the areas where folks get a little frustrated because there wasn't always Adobe. Yes. Right? And when it comes to cataloging, there's really only one Adobe product that does it, and that's Lightroom. You know, Photoshop doesn't catalog anything. Bridge doesn't catalog. Even Elements only sort of catalogs but it doesn't do it really well. Right. And so what people did is they built their own structure. Right. Usually a series of folders. Yes. Hopefully on a hard drive. And, and I say hopefully because individual memory cards in a shoebox are not a catalog. That's a place where photos <laughs> go to die. But they would create folders, hierarchies in their hard drive and use whatever kind of naming convention made sense at the time. Maybe didn't always follow that same convention. Maybe got a little lazy once in a while. You know, we're human. Yes. And then they would get into software like a Lightroom and try to retrofit their old structure into what a digital asset manager wants to do. Right. And then true digital asset managers do much more than photos. Like this is really big enterprise grade software and you don't get to tell it how to store stuff. Right. It tells you, you know, which makes me think of a Yakov Smirnov joke about Soviet unions and we're not going <laughs> to no, go there. No, that's not good. And so we look at a lot of software and you brought up Adobe. So Photoshop elements, basically, a simpler version of Photoshop. Yes. Um, has probably 80% of Photoshop functionality for yes. a lot less money. Yes. But with a different user interface. Yes. A lot of folks find it simpler. Mm -hmm. Then we have Bridge, which has come with Adobe products forever and was only ever designed as a way to Pick an image to launch in one of the other Adobe applications. Okay. Typically I, Photoshop. I've often wondered what it exactly it is that it does. But yeah, um, the Adobe Bridge, or the Bridge, as some people refer to it, was really just the front end to a tool like Photoshop. Look at a whole folder, 
look at a whole disc and give you little thumbnails of images so you knew which ones you were going to work on because the file names are not exactly intuitive. No, not at all. You know, um, and that's the whole point of Bridge. It's not an editor. It's really a comprehensive viewer. Okay. But you've got to buy into the whole Bridge concept. And what I think folks struggle with is that, well, I used Bridge once. I want to keep using Bridge as I move to my dam, whatever the dam is. And that's not going to happen. It won't work that way. Sure. And a lot of the other software that we look to, they're really editors first. Okay. You know, Photoshop is an editor. It's not, yes. it's not an right. image repository management tool. Um, Luminar from Skyloom, another example. And they did try to come up with a whole damn... Yeah. <laughs> uh, edition. Uh, and I have no idea how that went because I don't know anybody who uses it. Yeah, I, I was sort of waiting for that to come out because I'd like some people, I was looking for an alternative. Yeah. Uh, and they kept saying it's coming, it's coming, and then I never heard anything anymore. So Yeah, so if anyone from Skyloom is listening, we're not, we're not trashing you. We just don't know what happened. Right. Because there was a lot of talk and then it appeared to go silent. Mm-hmm. And at least for my case, I didn't look any, any more beyond that. You know, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Nothing. Okay, maybe it didn't happen. Yep. I, you know what? That's real. Um, you talk about the folks at On1 software. They've got all kinds of editing tools. And image management system isn't one of them. Yes. So you've got to have something else. Um. And then we can look to the, I guess, the source of the greatest number of images today, the smartphone. And so you've got some kind of management tools, both from Google and from Apple. Um, But they really look like throw everything on the floor and try to use some pseudo AI to group stuff together. Right. Um, now I confess I'm not a user of either one because I find them very, very unintuitive, <clears throat> not just as editors. It's just like, where's the fo- photo I shot on the phone last week? Oh, is it an album? Is it in a something else? Is it here? Is it there? Oh, screw it. I'll go shoot the photo again because it's hard. Yeah. You know? I, I, I th- you know, many people have said, oh, I really like this, uh, the uh, Apple Photos, and it's so neat. It does this, and it has this other function, and it gives me uh, memories two years after the fact, and I can go back and relive that. And I've I've tried to pay attention to all those things, and maybe I think differently, but I'm just lost. I, You know, I confess, I'm the same way, you know. I was getting alerts. Here's a memory. I don't want to remember that. <laughs> or, excuse me, I'm busy doing something else. I don't, so I'm probably the wrong customer. Right. I'm sure there are people who really val- value that. But fundamentally, even today, and there, there are alternatives, obviously. You know, the folks who do Capture One, they actually have a media manager tool 
Okay. Um, but it really comes down to self-designed and laid out or a Lightroom. For photography, it's going to be one of those two. Right. And if you want to do your own layouts, like your own storage model, that's fine. Lightroom can deal with that. But at that point, you're not really using its cataloging function. Because the cataloging function is more than just, what are my photographs? It's actually putting them in places. Yes. And I see as a moderator on Kelby One's community and also on all kinds of sites. It's just, well, how do I use my layout system with Lightroom, but take advantage of all the Lightroom tools? Uh, you don't? Because it's yeah. really difficult. Changing how Lightroom stores images is difficult. It works by date. Right. And what I've seen is, you know, here's a class that's two and a half hours long that teaches you how to manage the folder structure that Lightroom creates for you automatically. Right. I don't have time for that. Because I'm going to break something. Yep. <laughs> you know, rename the folder. Go rename all the images. I don't know how well that's going to work it, for folks. I, I, I don't know. Uh, I, I think... Um, uh, talk, talking to some of the people that I photograph with, uh, they have their own uh, own system of uh, how they store things. They, they store them in folders, and uh, most people, I think, store them by date. And and Lightroom is okay with that, but most many people. They are petrified of going to the Lightroom concept because they they believe that Lightroom is going to take all this and, and mess it up for them. But if you understand what Lightroom is doing, you can actually work in that you you can you can use your own system in the background. Store it the way you want it, but you have to understand what Lightroom will do so that you can... Never mind storing it. It's the retrieval that is the right. problem. Right. And I think that's well. I think that's very well allocated. You know, I confess for me, because I was... Well, even before the product existed, I was an early beta tester. And so I got into the default Lightroom catalog right from the word go, and didn't care right. about what folder names it used and that it stored by date right. and that it didn't change the file names. Right. But I learned early on that to make stuff easy to find in Lightroom, you really had to learn how to make collections. Yes. Which are basically indexes. Yes. You can call them whatever you want. You can have the same photo in one collection or a hundred collections. Right. There's still only one copy wherever you store it. In my experience, which doesn't, you know, mean globally true, the folks who get frustrated most with Lightroom don't understand collections. Right. Um, and they want to name, or they want to name the folders 
their own way and lay out the photos later, just like you described. Yes. We both know people who prefer that. Yes. But they want to use Lightroom. So here's the quick answer. If you're going to do your own structure and use Lightroom, when you import to Lightroom, there is only one option, and that's add. Yes. Add the location and metadata of that image to Lightroom's catalog, and don't let the catalog move any, anything around, ever. Right. And that way you can put the photos where you want. You're still responsible for backing up and doing all that kind of stuff and naming folders. But at that point, at least you're going to be able to edit them in Lightroom and use some of Lightroom's search and find and keyword and all that kind of stuff. Right. So I, I think uh, there, there are a few issues around the whole Lightroom thing. Um, one of them is that uh, I, I've read a fair bit about it, but what is not well explained is the difference between a folder and a collection. I think that's fair. That's that's the first issue. Second issue is that sometimes people don't grasp the concept that, and, and they don't talk about it, at least the, the people that should know uh, don't discuss this, that, you know, I, I did a photo shoot of somebody's wedding and uh, and Angela was there, and Angela. So this is, these are the images of Angela, but Angela may finish up in more than one location, and the concept that a folder can only have an image in one location and one folder. It's written on the hard drive, and it lives there forever, right. unless something moves it. But as most of us function, uh, we go to a kid's birthday party and, you know, you've got Johnny and Fred and Nancy and everybody else. And you may only want the images from Nancy. You may only want to see the images of Nancy or of Fred or Joe or whoever. And if those are stored in something called a birthday party... Uh, and it may be a picture taken in the in the in the forest, and it's beautiful fall colors. So now Nancy and Joe and Fred are also in the fall. Mm -hmm. So this is where it gets confusing. Yeah, I I, I can understand. That. I think, in my opinion, I think one of the big issues is that people don't understand what the catalog is. Yes. So to try to simplify, the catalog is a database. Yes. And the Lightroom database is built on a, a fairly old, what's called SQL technology. And that simply means that it can have multiple interrelated tables. And that, that works pretty well. Yeah, it's probably not the newest and certainly not the fastest. But it gets the job done. But there are no pictures in the catalog. Right. The only thing that's in the catalog is what Lightroom knows to be, hopefully correctly, the location of the actual picture and some information about the picture. Right. Right, and that's going to be 
potentially a preview of it. It might be some metadata about the picture. And it might be things that you've added to the photograph, like keywords. Right. You know, like, okay, I shot 60 pictures at this kid's birthday party, and I'm going to, in my library view, I'm going to select all the ones that have Nancy in them and add the keyword Nancy. Right. And that's going to make it super easy in the future to find anything with Nancy. Because Nancy's Nancy, whether she's at the birthday party or not. Right. And one of the benefits that keywording provides to those who choose to use it is that it gives you that tertiary search tool that says, look through the whole library Mm -hmm. and find every picture where I put a keyword Nancy. Right. Regardless of where it is, whether it's at the birthday party, whether it's at the fall walk, whether it's beach photos that we took eight years ago. Mm -hmm. That's the whole benefit of a Lightroom-type catalog. Right. It is the repository for those keywords and that metadata. But if Lightroom doesn't know where the photo is or you move the photo and don't tell Lightroom, all that information is fascinating, but you're never going to be able to apply it to anything because you'll never find the photo again unless you physically go look for it. Yeah. So to recap, I think what we just talked about is that uh, when you're using Lightroom, Lightroom, uh, you import the pictures. You You can put them into whatever folder you wish to use the way, the way your mind thinks, but you can only have that image physically on your hard disk in one location. Right. And if you, at the time of import, have told Lightroom, this image is now living on this space, but please add it to your list of recipe cards so that I know where to go find it. And if I'm going to do anything else with this, because it, this may be in more than one recipe, please keep tab of where all this person may be or this card may be. Yeah, and that's exactly what the catalog does. The caveat, and where, where I get the most number of my Lightroom questions is, I can't find the photo, or Lightroom says the photo is missing. And then you say, did you move it outside of Lightroom? Oh, yeah, I was copying folders around on my computer. Yep, then you did. Okay, Lightroom doesn't know where it is. Because once it's in the Lightroom catalog, if you want to move it, you got to move it inside Lightroom. Otherwise, it's gonna, Lightroom's going to lose the link to it. Yeah, and that's, that is one of the nice things about Lightroom is that you don't have to do it outside Lightroom. If you don't no. like where it's living, you can tell Lightroom, please take all these 345 pictures and move them over here into the section called birthday parties. Well, yeah. it's only too happy to do that. But if you do it on your own, then hmm, you're the f- ghost. The photos aren't lost, but Lightroom doesn't know where they sure. are. So all that metadata that you were using 
and all those recipes that you built for editing the photos and all that, that's gone. It doesn't mean anything. Yep. Because it can't find the photo. Now, on the subject of folders, because folders are physical places, you said. Yes. By default, Lightroom wants to put things in dates. Yes. It will create dated, high, very well-structured, hierarchical date folders. Right. But if you don't like the name of the folder, you can change its name in Lightroom. Okay. If you change the folder's name outside of Lightroom, guess what? Lightroom doesn't know where it is. Sure. But you can change the folder name. And, like, I don't want to disparage him because he's he's a friend, but Scott Kelby has built this whole architecture he calls Slim, which is his Scott's Lightroom image management system. And lots of people love it, but it involves renaming folders inside Lightroom. It involves renaming files inside Lightroom. And... That sounds to me like too much work. I I will never use it because it's way too much work for me. I would rather make 50 collections. Right. You know, I could have a collection called Nancy, right, <laughs> and, and just drag the link to Nancy into that collection. So maybe maybe we should uh, expound on that a bit and explain what we think a collection actually is. So let me go back to my failed job at the library. Okay. So I think most of us are familiar with the concept of the Dewey Decimal System. Every book fits into a right. category. Right. And then there is a number that's assigned by the library so you know where the book came from. Yes. And where the book goes back to. Yes. But that was the was not the only set of index cards. Because that was by because you have a catalog by title. Okay. I know the title. Okay, that was useless to me as a kid. I just I don't know. I want a book on Baroque architecture. So I would go to the Topic okay. index card file. Yep. And I would look up Baroque and hopefully I would find architecture and it would direct me to wherever in the library there was anything to do with Baroque architecture. Okay. Or I may say, no, I really like the books by Robert Ludlum. Okay. There would be an author card file. Right. And I could go up, go to it and I could look up Ludlum, comma, Robert. Right. And it would tell me there would be a card yep. for every one of Robert Ludlum's books with its decimal number, which is basically its address. Right. And then I could go to the shelves and try to find that book. And if it was there, great. And if it was not, well, I'm SOL. I'm, I have no idea where it is. Maybe it's checked out. I couldn't tell. Right. <clears throat> so that's the old system. In a computerized system, we don't have physically separate card files. Right. We have one digital database mm -hmm. that has many tables. And I could look by author. I could look by subject. I could look by, I don't know, go find it. And we can do that with Lightroom. 
either through keywording mm-hmm. or through the creation of collections. Mm-hmm. So in my mind, my old and decrepit mind, I think of collections as just another card file. Okay. There's actually nothing in it except a pointer to the photograph. Yes. And I think that's something that they don't understand. It, many it, people don't understand. You can make as many collections as you want. You're not making copies of the image. Right. You're not using up all kinds of hard disk space. Yes. You're not making duplicates of the image. Right. Because a duplicate is a great way to go nuts. Because, <laughs> well, which one am I working on now? Yep. Now, it's kind of like emailing a file around to people. Well, let me email the Excel spreadsheet. No, please don't do that. Because as soon as you do that and you mail it to seven people... You've got eight different versions. None of them are in sync. And you don't know what the hell's going on. Collections prevent that. But building collections is a discipline. Yes. And I think, again, my opinion, a lot of folks who work to use Lightroom as an example, and by the way, this is true for all digital asset managers. There's one physical location And there's a bunch of indices that allow you to find things in different ways. Mm -hmm. They're all the same. They're all databases. There's nothing unique or new. But if you build the collections to suit how you want to work, it's going to make sense. So, for example, every time I go to a shoot, because I unload the card right after that shoot, Mm -hmm. at the time I import those photos, and whether I let Lightroom copy them to a space, or whether I set them in my own structure and just add them to the Lightroom catalog, doesn't matter. I always make a collection for that shoot. Okay. And I'll name it something like McLean Auto Wreckers. Yes. September 2021. Okay. Because I can name it anything I want. Mm-hmm. I could call my collection Big Bag of Crap which actually accurately describes what I brought back from the auto records. <laughs> Others, like yourself, came back with really interesting images. I came back with a bag of crap. That's how it works. Right. That's life. But I can easily find all the images from McLean Auto Records for October 2021 because I have a collection for that. Right. Oh, well, then I have too many collections. No, you don't. Because Lightroom has the concept of collection sets. And they make it so freaking easy, the icon looks like a banker's box. Right. And what goes in a collection set? All your little collections. Collections. Or another collection set. Right. I can't put a collection inside a collection, but I can put one inside a collection set. Right. And I can search without knowing what collection stuff is in for a photo from that space. And I could also say search for, I want all the photos in this period that I shot with this camera and this lens. Yep. Because that metadata is on the photograph. Right. I mean, if I was really stupid, I could search for all the photos shot at F11. (laughs) And it will tell you. And it's very fast. I have no idea how that's useful in any way whatsoever. But I'm sure someone will tell me why I'm an idiot. (laughs) Because that's called the internet. So I think that that's one of the biggest challenges 
that the training focuses on the folders and not on the collections. Right. Because for myself, and I can only speak for myself, I don't give a crap about the folders. I say it goes on that network access storage system. Figure it out. Right. And Lightroom will figure it out for me. I don't need to make my own hierarchy. Right. Because I can search by camera. I can search by date. I can search by all of this other stuff. I'm just going to give the collection a useful name. Right. Because I'm not going to remember what day we went to the auto records. <clears throat> I'm in trouble with this morning. Remember. <laughs> so, but I understand that people say, oh, Lightroom only does it by date. Therefore, I'm never going to be able to find anything. No, that's not correct. But there is some work on your part to create collections. Right. Or, and I know folks who do this, they will import 100 images and they will keyword every one of them. And then they will put colored flags on, the, on different ones. And then they'll put stars on them. And I haven't got that long to live. <laughs> I, I don't have the time to do all that stuff. So do I negatively impact myself? Yeah, I can't actually search for Nancy. Because I keyword nothing. Right. But I got a m bucket of collections that are logical to me. Right. And I don't care where the photos are that are in the collection because that's what Lightroom does for me. Well, that's what Capture One's media manager did for me when I tried it. It's the same concept. Right. But I think this is where folks get screwed up. Yes, I, I think that's that's true. Um, now, maybe there's other places that we should talk about. I don't know. I, I don't know any others. So, uh, uh, but you you did mention uh, the uh, color coding and the stars and the flags, and uh, I th I think what people again may not have a handle on is. How am, I, how am I supposed to use these? And as I see it, you don't use these as a means of storing the images. Uh, Lightroom gives you the ability to code your images by either putting a different colored flag on, on each image Mm -hmm. which is something that is relevant to you. Um, for instance, a green may indicate that uh, these are the best images, or a red may indicate it's the worst images. Okay, if that works for you, that's fine. But everybody else doesn't have to follow that model. But everybody doesn't have to follow that model at all. So you, may, you use these stars and colored tags and all that stuff how you want to use them. Correct. And what other people do, that's great for them. Sure. See, I I am a very aggressive color. Culling, not coloring. Right. So I want as few images in the catalog as possible. If mm -hmm. I come back from, say, shooting a football game, and I brought back 800 or 1,200 images, 
You know what I know? I don't want most of them. Mm-hmm. So if I had a thousand, I've probably, if I have 60 keepers, that's more than enough. So I'm only going to put 60 images in Lightroom. Right. I actually use a different tool to delete the, the stuff before it even gets to Lightroom. Right. Now, I know that there are folks who say never delete an image. Storage is cheap. Well, storage is cheap. But if you're never going to use it again, what's the point? Right. And that's why I feel that way about keywording, right? Why would I keyword something I'm never going to look for? Doesn't make me right for anyone but me. Right. So I've called the images down, and then I can use those star tools or color tools however I want. And, you know, so I've got my 60 images that I decided are worth even considering editing. Mm -hmm. Then I'll go through them really quick. And the ones that I'm going to work on, they get a five. The ones that don't get nothing. Okay. And then once I've edited it and I'm happy, that's a finished screen edit. Right. That's green. Okay. But as you know, and we've talked about there's another kind of edit, the print edit. Right. The edit for printing. Right. That's fine. I've got a color for that. Right. So I can search Lightroom and say, show me everything that's purple. Right. And that will tell me everything that I've come to the point where I have a saved print. Right. So I could just click it and print it. Right. And nothing else to do to it because all the work's already done. For me, those color codes work. Right. Are they right for everybody else? No. I don't and know. Nobody would understand it, but that's and I okay. I don't care. Because you should do whatever works for you. Yes. But you do have to um, I I've seen a lot of stuff on YouTube. This is the, you know, this is the the optimum workflow for you in Lightroom and I'm saying no it isn't. Well, no, that's a load of crap. Yes, there should be a workflow. But That's it's not be somebody yours. else's. It has to be, be your workflow. You have to sit down and you have to wrap your head around what you you A have to understand what these different color coding, star coding, flag coding uh, can do, not will do, but can do. And how can you use that to your advantage? Absolutely. It's your choice. Absolutely. It's there is no rule that says <coughs> all your bad photos get one star. <clears throat> you might not have any bad photos that you loaded out at all. Right. So why worry about one star? Sure. You may say, I'm going to keyword everything that's a keeper. Great. And you may say, I'm never doing that. Right. And you know, and, and there are keyword hierarchies, and you create a keyword hier- hierarchy called family and then inside family you have gordon and you have mary and then you've got a second category inside family called grandchildren and there you've got betty and sam and susan hey if that works for you awesome i'm never going there sure because i don't search that much so the return on on investment of time is not not there right for me but that's the beauty of the catalog systems that you get that. And I think that's one of the, I think if folks don't get that, 
then they start to wonder about, well, how am I acquiring this software in the first place? Or why am I acquiring this software right. in the first place? Now for Lightroom, you have a choice. You can buy it on a subscription. Right. Or not have it. Right. But some people hate subscriptions. Yes. Why? Well, they see it as an ongoing expense that they don't need. Then don't buy it. Uh, but they feel that they need something, so they want to buy it once and use it till it falls apart. Okay. Um, I'm not sure that's valid. Well, But that's the way they like to think. And, you know, I think that that is not evil thinking, because we look at cars that way. Yes. We, we buy a car and we keep it until it's no longer useful to us. Right. Then we get another car. But everything that we had for that first car, no good to us anymore. Yep. All those accessories and that sort of thing. And over time, the manufacturer has been updating the car. Yes. And I'm not going to get any of those new features till I buy the new car. Mm-hmm. And and that is, a, that is an inherent issue with anything that has to do with computers. Absolutely. Uh, you can keep using it until you can't. Because, and there may be nothing wrong with your software. It's working for you perfectly. But once you're in that groove, you're stuck in that groove. Because once you can't upgrade because either your computer is not fast enough, strong enough, smart enough. Won't run the latest whatever. Then, uh, well, you you can keep using it. But you're not but don't ever let it break. Right. Because you're going to be hooped. Then you're done. You know, I, just, you're I, I, I saw a good example of this today. You know, I'm a big fan of printing. And a gentleman had bought uh, one of the Epson SureColor P800 printers five years ago. Right. Now he's looking for the roll paper holder for it. Okay. Guess what? That was discontinued <laughs> two versions of printer ago. So he's in trouble because his printer works just fine. But there are no accessories available to work with it. We see the same thing in software. We've got a new sky replacement function. Yep. If I was on a perpetual license, which I'm not, because I use the Adobe subscription model, Mm. I couldn't get that. Mm Mm-hmm without buying a whole new version. Mm-hmm. And people say, well, it's a lot of money a month, and maybe it is, but you've got to do that analysis yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I what is what is the subscription cost now for Canadian? It's about uh, 15, I think. About 15 bucks yeah. a month? Okay, so let's do some math. So what's that? What's that, $150 a year, mm-hmm. roughly? Mm-hmm. I can't do math anymore. <laughs> When I was, that gets me Lightroom and Photoshop for a year, right? That gets you Lightroom and Photoshop and, 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 and. Yeah, and a whole bunch of other stuff. Right. That's actually quite good if you bother to take the time to learn to learn what it is. Now, when I was buying perpetual software. Right. I would have to wait two years for a new version of Lightroom. Mm-hmm. And at least two years for a new version of Photoshop. So let's take our 
call it 15 times 12 uh, scenario, mm-hmm. 180 bucks. <coughs> Over two years, that's $360. Mm-hmm. Presuming that I've completely lost my mind on math. So what did I say that was? 360. 360. For both products. Yep. With regular updates. No updates. No. I get regular oh, right. updates. Oh, right. Yes. On the subscription. Yes. On the subscription. Yes. That is the updates. When I was on perpetual license, Lightroom would cost about $180. Yep. So in two years, I would have paid for it. Once. At least once. Mm-hmm. And Photoshop cost $765. Yep. So I would have spent nearly a thousand bucks over two years mm-hmm. or $360 over two years. Right. I'm not getting why I would want perpetual software. Well, the answer I hear is, but I only need what I have. Great. I'm a former software company executive guess what subscriptions are here to stay perpetual licensing is going Mm -hmm. and in some companies it's gone Mm -hmm. and it's not coming back so if you only want perpetual okay but get over it because you're not going to get it from some because you're not going to get it again you're not going to it's not coming back so when you find your computer uh doesn't do what you want it to do, or you find your software doesn't do what you want it to do, uh, you're stuck. Yeah. I mean, we can let's go back and we can look at some of this. So Adobe Lightroom and Photoshop, which includes Bridge, are all subscription only. Yes. Elements is perpetual only. So that's about a hundred bucks a year if you stay current. Not saving a lot of money because I don't get a Photoshop and I don't get Lightroom. I'm getting Elements, which is a right. fine product, but it is neither of the other two. Yes. Uh, if I buy Luminar, I honestly don't know how much it costs. I, I don't know. Let's call. It, let's say it's a hundred dollars. That's a perpetual software product. They're going to because it's in their best interest. The only extra money they're ever going to get from you is to sell you the next version. They're going to try to have a new version out every 12 to 18 months, 24 months at the outside. Right. So I'm still spending $200. And I'm not getting Photoshop. Right. And I'm definitely not getting Lightroom. And maybe Luminar is all I need. In which case, bonus me. The same thing would be true for On One. Very high quality software. But it's perpetual license only. Or you could buy a subscription, which gets you the updates. It's right. like prepaid insurance, right? Mm-hmm. And, and that's not just on one. Look at Apple. You okay. buy an Apple Macintosh, you get photos with it. Yep. And all the other software going with it. And all the other software that came with the Macintosh. But you're also going to get updates on photos forever. Right. Because Apple doesn't charge for updates. They release a new operating system and it's free. Yep. If your computer can run it. There you got it. And maybe it can. And maybe it can't. And then you make a decision. You know, my Mac Pro will run 
the new version of Mac OS that's coming out or has come out. My MacBook Pro is from 2013. Right. It can't even run the current version of Mac OS. Right. If I want to be able to do that, I'm going to have to replace that machine, Mm -hmm. having owned it for eight years. Right. Fact is, the machine works perfectly. And if there's nothing in the new operating system that I need, well, I could choose to keep the old machine. Right. But it's my choice. And we don't have subscriptions in hardware. Right. Yet. We're going to. I guarantee you we're going to start to see that. Because now we're starting to see subscriptions even for operating systems. Right. When Microsoft releases Windows 11, which I think is next week, you'll be able to buy a license or you'll be able to buy a subscription. Right. For folks using, you know, a Windows environment. Once you've got Windows 10, or next week, Windows 11, there are regular ongoing updates, and that includes the software that comes with it. Right. And one of the pieces of software that I got to credit Microsoft with is uh, their approach to photos used to be horrible. Windows 10 got a little better. Windows 11, that new app, if all I want is simple, clean editing, and I don't want to pay for anything else, that's pretty amazing. And I will get updates for it, but I'm going to have to keep track of where all my images are. Right. And I'm not going to have collections, and I'm not going to have all these search capabilities they're just not going to be there right so how i choose to buy my software is going to vary you know like you make some good points like why does somebody buy buy a subscription well because uh well for what we just said it's not a lot of money being put out every month uh you write it up to the cost of uh using your your craft, um, and you feel that you are going to use the arms of the software that are made available to you as a subscription. Yeah, I mean, I think about it, if I go back in time, every time Adobe did a release, I had to think about where a thousand bucks was coming from. Right. I don't really think about where $15 is coming from. Yes. I could blow that on coffee. Because I don't drink oh, I think, anything else. I think most people probably would. Yeah, you know, so that <coughs> plus ongoing development plus, as you said, there's a lot of other stuff in there. There's Portfolio and there's Spark and all these other really amazing tools. Plus, if you do any kind of type work at all, you get all these fonts. Right. I remember when fonts used to cost you $200 per font. Right. I think I've got access to like over 2,500 fonts. Maybe the number's higher through Adobe. I don't need that many fonts. No, we don't. But but you can. But I could because it's there, right? So why do people not do this? Well, because they perceive that... uh, they're putting out a lot of money, and uh, they are they they are paying for things that they don't think they will ever use, and I guess that's valid. Might be true. 
and it might be true. But if you expand your craft to the point where you say, well, I wish I could do this, and you haven't done it, now you're back to square one. You're starting fresh. Yes, you're starting, you're starting fresh. And guess what? You can't buy it again. No. So now you are back. So either you choose to not do any of these things that are becoming available, and that's perfectly okay. Yeah, that's fair. But as soon as you say, that's a nice thing, I wish I could, then you may as well just bite the bullet, get the subscription, and use everything that is available to you. Yeah, to the level that you wish to use it. Yes. Because I hear, well, I don't need all of it. Okay, peace, love, and greatness. Do the math. Does it cost you more or less? Go with less. Because when you change your computer, there's going to be a version that works with it. Yep. When Microsoft or Apple change their operating system, there's going to be a version that works with it. Right. Because those old versions of Creative Suite don't work anymore on the new versions of the operating system. Well, Apple is a really good example right now. It's switching all its computers to the M1 M1 system. Right. Or or the M system, let's say. I don't know that it's all one. one. Uh, But the M system, uh, as soon as you put your hands on a new computer, well... All that stuff you used to do before, you can't do now because a lot of it won't work. just won't run. So, no one. Yeah, I agree. I, I Now, you and I have both heard this from people we know. Well, I don't like subscriptions because all the updates are annoying. Really? Like, I subscribe to everything that Adobe makes. Right. So that's a dozen products. I don't use a dozen products. There's probably seven that I actually install. Five that I don't even know what they do. But they're all updating. And they're updating yeah, and, transparently and, and, in the and background, it, and, and it I don't a, even know. Yeah, that's that's exactly right. You open up your computer. And, yeah, but you, you can't. you can't buy a computer where that's not happening. I mean, you... you, you you talk about this, uh, not talk about it, but every now and again at the, um, the Zoom meetings, you turn your computer on, and guess what? In the middle of your presentation, somebody has decided they're going to update something. Absolutely. So, well, you can't get away from it. It's not only the, the Adobe people, but it's everybody. <coughs> and And the same people who might be complaining about this, well, guess what? You know that cell phone you can't live without? It's doing it. Yeah. It's doing it in the background. Constantly. (coughs) From time to time, I'll even look at the cell phone and say, updates. You have no updates. But the last, but here are 47 (laughs) that were installed in the last two or three days. (laughs) I know this takes us a little bit off the topic of the dam. But I think a big part of the the concept of value proposition in the dam is really only delivered through software that you use over a period of time that you get better with. And the cost-effective way to do that is typically through subscription. Right. 
So as we close in on an hour, what's the best advice we can give people? Um, <clears throat> forget, forget about the software for a moment, but first figure out what it is you want to be able to do with your images. Once you've figured out what you want to do with your images and how you think you're your mind works that you can retrieve them because storing them is not an issue. Retrieving them is a big issue. Right so on. once you figure out what you want to do and how you're going to get it back, then find the software that will do it for you. And cataloging your images is a pain. It's time-consuming. It's annoying. You got to do it on a regular basis. It's all those things, but if you don't do it, uh, well, you're screwed. You're screwed. So invest the time, and this again works for me. If I sit down at my computer and I'm going to be spending an hour doing images, I will spend 15 minutes of that hour reviewing what I put in the computer culling what I don't want and making sure that they are cataloged however it is that I like it. Right on. And then I will spend the other 45 minutes doing something with the images. Doing the fun stuff. Yeah, okay, we'll call it fun. <laughs> well, some days it's fun. No, I, I, I agree completely. Now, I will say that once you've defined that use case, your use case. Yes. Not somebody else's, not the latest YouTube video, and not even necessarily what your favorite instructor tells you to do. Right. Find the use case that works for you. That was your advice. I get behind that 100%. If you are going to use Lightroom, if Lightroom fits your use case, stop watching YouTube. Spend the time to learn how to use the different retrieval tools that Lightroom has. Right. And the number one, most powerful one, is the collection. Absolutely. And if you don't know how to use collections, now is a good time to learn. There are great books by people like Scott Kelby that you can buy as paper books. I like paper books because I can write in them and I can highlight stuff. And I can dog-ear the pages. But if you like a digital book, well, you can get it that way too. Right. Or you could go take a class somewhere. I'd be very cautious about that to make sure that the class is on whatever version of Lightroom you have. Yeah. Because they change so often. And, you know, I keep hearing this, so I'm going to take a course on this and I'm going to take a course on that. You don't have to. All you need to say, to wrap your head around is, okay, the collection is, it's making a list of where things are. And once you get that concept down, you don't need a course. You don't need like uh, YouTube. You don't need your favorite instructor telling you how to do things. It's very simple because if you understand it, Lightroom or whoever it else's software you're using, will do what you want it to do. If you don't understand what it's doing, 
uh, it doesn't matter how many courses you take, you'll not, never get it to do what you want to do. I agree. And by the way, pick one. Don't try to do this with four pieces of software at the same time. Sure. That's crazy. Well, I bought this, and then I thought I'd try this, and then I got this other one. Stop. Stop the insanity. Because you said it's simple. And as W used to say, they say rocket surgery. Because <laughs> he did say that. It's <laughs> terrifying. But it's not that freaking hard. Yeah. Just give it a try. Thanks, Gordon. I think I know we went longer than we usually do today, but it's important stuff because it's got to be the number one source of frustration for photographers. I think so, yes. I appreciate the work that you put in, as always, <laughs> and, the and the guidance that you've offered. So... For the Make Better Photos and Videos podcast, thanks very much for listening. I've been Ross. I'm Gordon. We'll talk to you again real soon.